At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios. What's up? What is going on? How are you today? I'm well. I, we're just fresh off this trip from CrimeCon in Nashville, CrimeCon 2018. It was just so fun, Lance. It was amazing. We're settling back in here in Wormtown in the Crawl Space Studios, but uh, I'm sort of on a uh, like a, a post crime con like down here, you know. It, I'm, it was, a, I'm a little depressed too, to at, be honest. Met met so many good people out there, so many fellow peers, and and the fans. The fans are just oh, they're so amazing. passionate. It's it's inspiring at one point, and it's also just sad because we don't get treated like that anywhere else. Like like you would think we do, maybe. But like here in Wormtown, you, you think the people in this building know what we do. They don't have a clue what we do. For example, the lunch we ordered today, which we order pretty much the same thing every time, and you still need to tell them exactly where the address is. See, we're back to reality here. So we met a bunch of people at CrimeCon, so thank you if you met with us. That was really fun. Um, again, like a lot of people came up to us and said, this is really cool. But you don't understand. It was cooler for us than it was for you. Trust us on that. We don't get treated like celebrities, right? One of our uh, one of our new friends, Ellie, had come up to us, and she was there last year. And she is from overseas, and she was describing how nervous she was last year when she met us, and how nervous she was this year. And I was trying to tell her that it was we were probably more nervous when 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 you have the uh, fans coming up to you and. It's just I don't know. Like you said, I don't know how to act in that situation, so we just act normal, I guess. And we got to meet a couple of patrons of our Crawl Space page. In case you aren't familiar, check it out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. But we met Kim and Carol. So that was really fun meeting them and talking with them. And also Aurelia, who we know met last year at CrimeCon. And we continued the tradition with Aurelia of going to a minor league baseball game the Sunday of CrimeCon because it it ends at noon. So that was fun. Yeah, very cool. We met Erica in a special uh, VIP conversation. and I know she forgives us, but we were a little bit late to that. Uh, we, we hung out with her for a while. She actually got a bonus. She got to talk to Octavia Sapala and to Justin from Generation Y, who were passing by the room and thought they would pop in. So she got a, a little bonus by uh, having a, a <laughs> listening to all of us banter for a little while. Right. You never know what's going to happen at CrimeCon, Lance. Right as we walked in, Kelly Siegler walked out that that was kind of cool. A lot of celebrities there. The Dateline guy, Keith Morrison, was out at the bar uh, one night. That was kind of fun. And the new celebrity, Paul Holes, hashtag hot for holes, 
I think he's uh, just entered a new chapter, unexpected chapter of his life, right? He didn't think that this oh. would be happening. Well, I mean, I think he hoped it would, but I don't yeah. think he, he thought he would be at a true crime convention, become a, a hero and have a hashtag after him. I mean, just be, uh, the fact that he, he helped to solve the Golden State Killer case like days before his retirement is just staggering. So, yeah, he probably definitely didn't expect that. Did you feel like you were worthy of being at the table with Billy Jensen and, and Paul Haynes? Yeah, only because we're like the hosts, so we can ask them questions. Good like point. we don't have to know everything. We, you know, we just get the info out of them. I started to have like flop sweat the second Paul Haynes opened his mouth. Really smart guys, and, no, and Billy's great. Billy's oh, really yeah. smart too, and Maggie but, too. Right, but we knew them. We had talked mm-hmm. to them already. So Paul was sort of the wild card, and once he started talking, I was just I I felt I didn't deserve to be sitting next to him. <laughs> It was a whirlwind of a weekend, and we even had some drinks with Payne Lindsay one night, Lance, and uh, his creative producer, Meredith, and his intern, Haley. So that was really fun, just kind of talking talking shop with Payne. Yeah, a couple of superstars uh, that work with him, Meredith and Haley, and, and Payne himself is a gracious and uh, articulate guy. Uh, we all kind of met um, by uh, by chance coming back from dinner, and we spent the next couple of hours just sort of shooting the shit with these guys like talking about shop and just eventually talking about any everything from like man buns to yeah it was really cool hanging out with him and uh, i mentioned to him that that this was like the most normal it anything felt that weekend because at podcast row while it was amazing talking to people it's not like that's our normal life you know standing at podcast row doing live podcasts having people come up to us get pictures with us actually wanting autographs is surreal and very atypical from the way our lives normally are right normally we don't go go about town and sign copies of james renner's book (laughs) right but you know what is normal having a few drinks with some peers and you know people who are in the same industry with you and having some laughs some and some you know, friendly uh, conversation. So that was kind of fun. I don't think there was a time when we were talking to people or, you know, taking pictures. If there was a downtime, I don't think we ever didn't look at each other and said, like, how surreal and, like, fantastic it was because it is so opposite of what our real lives are. Literally wasn't a, d- a down moment. Um, we we did have some technical difficulties uh, getting that live podcast that is already up there. That one, we had some technical difficulties getting it live. We needed to be bailed out by Justin Evans of the Generation Y, as we uh, describe in one of these upcoming interviews here, Lance. So he actually really kind of saved, saved our butt. Save crawl space. <laughs> so, uh, so in in the following audio, we set up these microphones at our booth on Podcast Row, and we had some conversations. I don't want to say they were random because they're with true crime people, but the uh, the order and and uh, the, the way it kind of came together might have been a little random. It was anybody who was available at the time. Right, right. So, so uh, we have Justin Evans of the Generation Y who sat with us for a little bit, and we have. John Lorden from Brain Scratch YouTube channel, who is a guy we've been trying to get on these airwaves for a while now, and we're going to have him on a full uh, Crawl Space episode soon, but he has a great show called Brain Scratch on YouTube. 
Great fashion sense, too. <laughs> and uh, also, we talked to Morph, our buddy Mike Morford from the Criminology Podcast, who had been covering the Golden State Killer. He's been on these airwaves uh, twice in the past, like, six weeks. And so this will be the third time. We have, like, a, a pretty candid conversation with him just sitting there at the booth. There's some video on our YouTube version of these to kind of bring it all together for you visually. You can, you can see what this podcast row looks like. And if you're on the fence for next year, you got to do it. Come to CrimeCon 2019. It's in New Orleans next year. Right, New Orleans. When, what, do, what more do you need for an excuse to go to New Orleans? Yeah. June, New Orleans. I mean, the weather's beautiful. It's going to be true crime. So anything that you want that involves true crime is right there. And if you want to take a break from that, head out to New Orleans. And the last sequence kind of makes it real, a real party because we're talking with Maggie Freeling of Oxygen's The Disappearance of Maura Murray. We're talking with Octavia Zapala of the Missing Alyssa podcast. And then John Thrasher and Darren Karp of the Martinis and Murder podcast just kind of walk on by and we wrangle them into a conversation. You can see how uh, CrimeCon Podcast Row really is a party. So... Thank you very much for listening. Check out this audio and follow us on Twitter at CrawlSpacePod. Thank you very much. Here we are uh, on Podcast Row, joined by Justin of the Generation Y. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. Or as we like to call him, Justin, the savior of uh, the Crawl Space podcast. <laughs> the lifesaver. Yeah, the, the life raft. Well, I, I brought my laptop because I actually thought I might have some downtime to do some editing, which that didn't happen. Right. But thank God I brought my laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah wh- why? Why, wh- why what? Lance? Yeah. What, what, well, what happened? Uh, best laid plans. Best laid plans. Uh Tim and I decided that we wanted to do our Crawl Space episode for the week. Um, we wanted to release the live panel with Billy Jensen and Paul Haynes of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the Golden State Killer, Michelle McNamara uh, reputation. And uh, we were going to do the live show, the live panel. We recorded it. Nice, clean recording. But but to back it up just a second, we didn't have enough time to produce an actual episode for the week. Right. So like in the last minute, I think it was Wednesday, we were like, Shit, I don't know what to, we're like. How do we scramble to get an episode together? And it's like, well, we're we're recording with those guys on Saturday. We just why don't we just do that? And, just and all of a sudden, it, it was right a really away. cool idea. We, we were struggling for about two hours, yeah. and uh, and I'm surprised Lance's laptop isn't broken at this I, point. Yeah, I silenced the bar last night. <laughs> I I slammed that shot. laptop sh- so hard that the the bar like everyone was like, and then and then I went up and paid for the bill, and the bartender's like, here you go. So anyway, Justin is a lifesaver because he has his laptop and just just did this fired this, up this Adobe task, audition this whole thing in like five minutes when it wasn't uh, even five minutes <laughs> <It was less laughs> took, took longer to uh to, to to take the file off of the hard yeah off of the, the transfer drive. to yeah. a thumb drive yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It was thank you justin so, well, how has crime con been for you after uh, all this uh, if you can't tell my voice is a little hoarse right now it's i'm i was losing it like after day one and it's just i've been kind of keeping it alive with uh tons of coffee and uh sparkling water but uh, yeah, um, we went to the, uh, the the bar meetup last night. It was pretty cool. When we left, the uh, Uber prices spiked to a hundred and thirty dollars to two hundred dollars <laughs> to get back to the hotel. <laughs> so is that a literal price, or you're exaggerating? A little? I am not exaggerating. Oh, that sounds my, like a great. Jo- on my phone, it was one thirty. Everyone else, it was like two hundred. What? 
And uh, so we took a cab, 30 bucks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I would have, if we had gone out after and that happened, I would have lost my yeah. shit. After what, the frustrations yeah. of earlier in the night? I would have been like, I'm walking. The, the cabs were just pulling up and lining up in front of the clubs. I'm like, they know. They wow. know when the Uber starts spiking. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Wow. So what? Uh, who did you meet last night? Did you have a chance to talk to some peers, some... Uh, industry elites funny enough i've actually never spoken to the captain before oh, wow and yeah. So, really? yeah that's weird never spoke i mean we've said hello we've waved to each other but we've never actually spoken wow. until okay. last night at the club and and so now we're gonna do uh it's like wife swap but it's gonna be host swap <laughs> and uh nick and aaron are gonna get together and have a very serious true crime podcast and uh the captain and i are gonna be the male version of my favorite murder apparently that's what our fans said i love it and this is is this for several episodes or just <laughs> no, gonna, or i don't just one? i think it's a joke right now <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a yeah, maybe a patreon reality. special or something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, we're, we're, we'll probably try to make it happen so that's it'll awesome. be fun that's great a host yeah. cool. swap I mean, what awesome. an amazing thing! Like CrimeCon, though, it's it's just so fun to to meet to meet you guys and to hang out with all these other podcasters. Brain scratch, yeah, YouTuber. brain scratch, exactly. <laughs> so, like, uh, that's awesome. We've been chatting for months, and we're trying to organize a, an interview, and it just hadn't happened yet. And I found out he was here, and it's like, well, we gotta get this guy over here. Well, yeah. he's here. Yeah, Shall we pull yeah, the chair come on over here. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't mind, yeah. I might be eating lunch here, so I might jet out and, let, and you can replace me. Right, well, we yeah. got four months. But, yeah. but before uh, you come on, I wanted to tell you on air yeah. that I've been a subscriber to your YouTube channel for years. And every time I cover a case that you've already covered, my initial research is watch the Brain Scratch video because then I have a very thorough overview. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I love hearing that. Thank that, you so much. That's very consistent, very just straightforward, no bullshit. And I'm like, okay, now I understand what this case is about. Now I can go research the hell out of it and record myself, you know, talking about it. So, awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, honestly, I feel the same way about these two guys, about Tim and Lance, in particular when it came to me doing my episode on Maura Murray. Uh, your information was so in-depth. And that's one of the things I really like about the podcasting format is you guys are kind of slowing things down, taking the conversation into all kinds of different directions. Uh, you know, in the YouTube space, even though I have as much time as I want, I'm still in this kind of episodic mindset <laughs> where, uh, you know, I want to get the story, get it all out, try to be concise as possible. And I think that's why it works for you. But it's awesome that you guys just have all that time and freedom to really crack into these. And I'm going to lay on the compliments again and say your jacket is outstanding. You got a, you, you <laughs> well, got a, thank you, got you. A, thank you. You got a snappy style going right now. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, yeah, your your YouTube channel is great. You've how many videos do you have? Uh, you know, I was trying to actually count up how many cases. Um, I'm well over a thousand videos at this point. But in terms of cases, um, I think I'm somewhere between 300 to 400. Uh, and that's across the different shows. You know, I've got ca uh, Case Cracked, which is about how a particular case was solved. What's the linchpin thing that broke that case? Uh, of course, I've got Brain Scratch, which is kind of the most popular of the shows and the widest in terms of scope. You know, I'll go from alien, alien sightings uh, all the way to unsolved murders. And then, of course, Searchlight, which is really the heart that keeps me motivated to keep doing this work, which is missing persons cases. Um, some of the most rewarding moments for me in terms of being a creator and doing this stuff have come from Searchlight and in particular being in contact with families that have missing loved ones, uh, interviewing them on the channel occasionally, 
uh, I get chills just when when I talk about it. So yeah, Searchlight and and uh, Brain Scratch are the two that I watch the most. And uh, yeah, and it was funny because yesterday when I met you, I, I I asked you about some old episode, and you're like, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing what my fans do to me. They'll ask me about something I did four years ago and ask me for my input, and I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, yeah. I know the name, but I can't, you know, regurgitate it, the details. It's a hard thing because I've always been terrible with names. So yeah. <laughs> being in this business and being terrible with names, um, but it's as soon as people start talking to me about the details of the case, all of a sudden everything snaps back, and it's like, oh, that's right, I remember all this. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, you just said that you got the chills thinking about the uh, the victims' families. Or what do you what do you say to gain trust? And it's actual trust that yeah. you know this isn't like a superficial trust, right? No. How do no. you how do you get them to how do you get them to feel comfortable with? Uh, you? I I think it's really the approach that I take uh, with the first episode that I put out. Uh, typically, those relationships start because I just start. Uh, an episode where I look into all the media and I'll talk about their missing loved one. And I really try to bring the humanity into who that person was. What was their interests? How many siblings did they have? Uh, so the audience is really getting invested in these as people. And that also helps drive home the point of how hurtful this is for the families, because this is your brother. This is someone's dad. This is, some, I mean, there's so many relationships that we can all associate with. So uh, I think when the families see that, they know my intent right off the bat. They know that I'm someone that's going to be respectful, that even if I bring up theories they might not agree with, that I'm going to bring it up in a way where they can trust that I'm really just trying to help and I'm really looking for the truth. Uh, more often than not now, they're coming to me. I really don't have to reach out to them. I just do an initial episode and all of a sudden I'm getting it in my mailbox or they're leaving comments on the channel and people are letting me know, oh, you know, the sister just contacted you. She wants to come on. Um, now, because it's been going on a while, I have so many videos of interviews that have already happened. I'll tell them, just go watch one of the interviews. And, you know, if you appreciate the style, let's talk about going forward from there. Because um, so you is, built up a you built up a cachet of of, um, you know, reputation, reputation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, essentially. And it's even kind of now bled over into my main brain scratch show. I've just had the first series of really in-depth interviews there about a murder case that happened uh, 10 years ago in Canada. The woman's name was Lindsay Buziak. She was a real estate agent and she was showing a million dollar home to two people she wasn't familiar with and she was killed. And her father has been working on this case for 10 years now. Uh, saw my coverage, once again, kind of the same mechanic, saw the coverage I did on the first episode, reached out. Luckily, there was kind of a good Samaritan that was working to get us in contact. Um, and then he came on the channel and we did, I think, three hours of interview with him uh, that we released in two separate parts. And as a follow up to that, now I'm being contacted by the uh, staff sergeant for the police department. And, you know, he got kind of kicked around in those interviews a little bit. And I kind of put out the offer at the end of the second interview. Hey, anyone we've talked about, if there's any other information that you want to clear up or you want to help us understand, you have the ability to come on the channel and do that too. Just reach out to me. And that's exactly what happened. I was planning on contacting him and he literally contacted me before I could even get the email out. So oh, that's impressive. 
Was yeah. he mad or was he excited no. to talk to you? Or? It, uh, you know, it was a bit reserved. I mean, he's he's got the, the police officer touch. Right. Um, <laughs> no excitement whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when I responded to him, I was sure to tell him, hey, look, I know that we were pretty critical of you in several aspects there. I want it to be fair. I want to give you a chance to address all that. Uh, which he definitely appreciated. He has to go through an approval process. So he was basically, his chief was looking into, are they going to let him speak? Because uh, they do have their own um, media representatives that, you know, obviously there's people that are supposed to handle those types of things. But he's kind of been on Dateline and he's been the face of the case for so long now that I'm hopeful that he's going to be able to get that cleared and come on the channel. Um, and hopefully help answer those questions. And, you know, let's talk about some of those criticisms. To be fair, uh, the father, Jeff, also had a lot of criticism that was coming in through the comments as soon as I started talking about him. And I brought those up with him also, you know, and let him address those. I think it's just the best way to share the best information you can. So why did you choose the medium of YouTube instead of podcasting? Um it's weird because the medium attracted me first. I'm, I'm a guy that used to work for major media companies. I was an IT guy at 20th Century Fox for seven years. I worked at the Dolby Theater where the Oscars happened. I worked with Cirque du Soleil there. Uh, it was actually part of working with Cirque du Soleil that started me down the path of doing YouTube. Uh, we started making these goofy backstage videos just kind of on a comedy vein. And I didn't want to let that go when the show closed and everything went away. So I kept just doing it for YouTube, just for the fun of YouTube. Um, it was really the Elisa Lamb case that moved everything for me. It just shifted everything because I was watching YouTube, trying to create and doing what I saw other people doing, thinking, oh, that's what I want to do too. But I really liked watching those creepy, mysterious videos. And of course, the Elisa Lamb case has the video of her in the elevator and everyone wants to talk about what's going on in that. Is there a ghost in the elevator with her? The Night Stalker. I saw his the face of the ghost of the Night Stalker in the footage. So I was watching this really wacky stuff about this case and going, I want a YouTuber that takes this seriously because this is a young woman whose life has ended and I want to consider some of the real world stuff if, if we run out of that, I will absolutely consider paranormal. But I think there's more real-world stuff that needed to be considered there. Uh, as soon as I did, I think, just the first few videos on Elisa Lam, it was like all of a sudden the viewers came. You know, all the stuff I was doing before that, I was lucky to get like, you know, 20 views or 30 views. Yeah. And I had no subscribers. It was just kind of luck of the draw. I had a few videos goofy you know um song spoof type stuff that got into the hundreds uh i i kind of did some orca activism stuff that you know <laughs> touched into the thousands but the elisa lamb one it's still my most viral in terms of videos uh it's still the one that people talk to me the most some we bumped into someone at dinner last night and he's like oh you're the guy from the elisa lamb videos yeah. uh yeah <laughs> i know. Be recognized like that yeah it was really cool um, how many downloads are you up to on that uh, I think my most, my, my biggest video is probably somewhere around 400,000 views on that cool. for the channel. I'm at, I'm just coming up on 10 million. That's it. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I know. I'm not a podcaster. Yeah, right. yeah. I, need, I, need, I need people to dedicate their eyes also, not just their ears. Exactly. <laughs> well, guys, I love you, but yes. I got to go eat some lunch. I'm Thank sorry. Yeah, to it was good to out with you, man. Yeah. Can you give us yeah. a quick, uh, a quick, uh, you know, two or three elevator pitch uh, synopsis on the peripheral oh the peripheral is uh a, you know when you're talking about true crime you're talking about victims you're talking about mental illness you're talking about drug addiction 
but you got to gloss over it when you're telling a story. So my peripheral podcast is an interview base where I interview people that have are recovering from drug addiction, are suffering from mental illness, have survived a sexual assault, and it's just personal stories from everyday people about their struggles and uh, survival stories. It's Sounds like work. a very, very constructive podcast. Good yeah. for you. Nice. Yeah. I nice. love that because it's focusing on something that, quite honestly, I see major media run away from. Always exactly. overlooked. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you bring in any element of, oh, this person is dealing yeah. with an issue or a drug addict of some kind. Oh, all of God. Sudden, yeah. Don't say mis- drug addict. It's yeah. like... Yeah. That, that missing person isn't important anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's yeah. the problem is nobody has a concept of addiction or mental illness. So I just bring somebody on and it's like, here's straight from them yeah. how this is. It's powerful. And uh, hopefully it'll raise awareness. It'll educate. Awesome, awesome work. Awesome well, you, uh, you enjoy your lunch. Thanks for awesome, saving man. Crawl Space. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you so for much, having Jeff. me on. Yeah. It was good it's seeing so, you. It's so wonderful meeting you, man. Yep. What's, what's next, John? What, what, what do you got in, in the hopper? What's coming up? Oh, the big one I'm focused on right now. So I typically don't do my research at night. <laughs> but too, then too I scary? came to, yeah, Well, my brain gets all wound up on it, and I can't really let it go very easily. But then I came to CrimeCon, <laughs> and there was a special uh, PI breakout session that you had to pay extra for. There was a little extra fee. Uh, but I did it, and it went into the case of a man named Jonathan Cruz, and it looks like police assume that it was maybe a suicide, but his girlfriend was in the room. Single gunshot that killed him. A lot of debating about what's really going it's on with clearly that Clearly a suicide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a wonderful private investigator here, Sheila Waizaki. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be right next to her. Uh, Danielle Hallen and I, another YouTuber friend of mine, uh, sitting right next to Sheila. And I got to... First of all, experience the event she put together, which was amazing. I mean, she had, I think, about 13 different private investigators. Uh, We were broken up into groups. And it wasn't just a presentation where you're sitting in one room. You start there, you listen to the 911 call, and then the groups move into other rooms. One of those rooms, they had a crime scene reconstruction. They had the actual bed and a dummy in the bed in the same position. Uh, There was 3D models that were being run. 3D models are developed by another YouTuber named Gray Hughes, uh, becoming a very good friend of mine. He does really good work and analysis on that. Um, So it was cool to kind of move through this case and literally be going room by room with a private investigator leading you, telling you his insight and his thoughts on it. Uh, so I'm now inspired with that case, and at least for this Friday, that'll be the case that I cover on Brain Scratch. And Sheila is actually looking to see if there's any material that is not public at this point that she can release through that episode. So it might be something special there for everyone. Oh, that's Very awesome. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Are we, uh, is this going to be a video? Uh, this right now, I'm going to definitely throw in my vlog this week of right. my review of CrimeCon. John here with Tim and Lance. Yes. Hey, everyone. It finally happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to get you on for a longer version, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime, you guys. Yeah. Let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. And, Thank uh, you so much. When you yeah. come up with names for your shows, like, Brain, do you go, wow, that's a great name. Like, you're like a name. <laughs> and this pen, this promotional marketing pen, is it's got a little floating brain in it. It's, it's awesome. amazing. I've heard from many people that that is the item of, of <laughs> CrimeCon. People <laughs> love that pen, and I'm thankful. It's interesting you ask that because... Because Brain Scratch originally literally fell out of my mouth 
I was literally shooting the video. I didn't know what the name of the show was. It was my first video on the Elisa Lam thing. And I got to the end and it was just kind of, it just literally fell out of my mouth. I was like, that's it. It's a brain scratch. It's brilliant. And from there, um, I asked the audience for some help and they came up with some brain scratch related like Itchy Mysteries. My review show is called Itchy Mysteries. That sounds like something that I have on like the back of my leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should get that looked at, my friend. Uh, so, yeah, Searchlight uh, also asked the audience for a suggestion on that, something that would kind of key into missing person's cases. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's how the Beatles got their name. They were just like, blah, Beatles. And <laughs> yeah. they were like, what? This I've got this rich. I've got I, this itch. It's a real Ringo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it is a perfect title because it, it, it's so visual, you know, yeah. and you get it right away. You just say yeah. brain scratch and you get what it is. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well absolutely. done. Yeah. Thank you. So thanks. Thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll get you on Crawl Space soon. Sounds yeah. good. Thank you guys for, for having one. me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Keep up the great work. You Thank too, you, sir. You too. Okay, here we are, live at Podcast Row with Morph, Mike Morford of the Criminology Podcast. What's up, man? What's going on? We're uh, pumped to uh, pumped to see you again, like meet you in person. We didn't really meet in person last year, and uh, I feel like we've uh, you know we've got to know each other a little bit in the past year. Yeah, it's been really good talking to you guys yeah. every time I've talked with you, and it's it's good to do it in person. Yeah, yeah I remember last year, and we've talked about this. I was just so intimidated by the the posse that you rolled in with and the T-shirts and looking at the Golden State Killer statistics and being like, who is this guy? You know, well, who is this crew? And, and more, more was like, well, who is the Golden State Killer? Like, I, right. we didn't even really know what that case was. I mean, we had heard of the original Night Stalker, probably really didn't hear much about the Easteria Rapist. Didn't put the, didn't connect the dots like most people didn't really connect the dots on this guy. Yeah. Uh, unless it was, you know, you or Michelle McNamara or Billy Jensen. Those, you know, you guys are the ones that brought it all together for the people who never really had it, you know, connected. Yeah, it's been, it's sort of been a case that in, in a year and a half, two years has gone from um, zero to 60. Yeah. And as far as coverage and people knowing about it. So it's, it's been, at CrimeCon this time last year, everybody was hopeful that the case would be solved, but you know, this year it's a year later, and here it is solved. So it's kind of surreal. Yeah, it went yeah. zero to sixty, or like zero to like a hundred and twenty. Yeah, exactly. In exactly. like twelve hours. Exactly. Yeah, it's such a. It must be a, such a surreal moment for you right now. You just said last year it's like, well, hopefully it'll be solved. What percentage of you thought that it would be solved last year? And it must be so surreal to actually have that happen this year. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know for me, I, I had feelings that there was a lot of good stuff going on and that the case was getting some really good uh, leads and new technology with DNA and stuff. So I, I felt that it was going to be solved. It was just a matter of time. But to have it happen this fast, and, and it really went down in a matter of a week. Once they got information and acted on it, it was very quick and just, just amazing. And you did say that on our uh, one of the episodes we had with you um, maybe a month or two ago. You did say you thought it was going to be solved, so kudos to you. That's yeah, I, pretty I didn't awesome. Know, I didn't know at the time, but right. um, the, the funny thing is we had Paul Holes, who was the, the investigator on the case that, that had a big, big hand in cracking it. Um, we interviewed him for the show probably, I'm going to guess, three months ago, and we talked a little bit, and he says, I've got 10 weeks to go before I retire, 
and I'm going to be shaking the trees. Well, at that time, he didn't tell me this, but he was shaking family trees because that's how they caught this guy right. by, by tracking down the family tree from these uh, DNA results. So that's Literally what he shaking the so trees. So he gave me a clue that I totally missed at the time, but he was, he was shaking family trees at the time, so that's wow. what he was doing. Yeah. What has the reaction been from the uh, people here at CrimeCon when they go over to your table and start talking to you? What do they typically say? What's the first thing? It's 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 sort of mixed. I can't believe it. You know, congratulations that you were covering it. You know, people still have questions and, and that I don't have all the answers to and they're asking me. And I try and give them as much information as I can or direct them to where they can find the information. But, you know, I, I there's people out there that know a lot more about this guy than I do because I... You know, since between finding out and trying to keep up with social media and then planning to come here, I couldn't do a whole background check on this guy for myself. So I, when we get back, I have to do a little bit of an investigation and do them for my own you know, purposes and see where everything stands. Okay, one question I have, right? So he was arrested at one point for stealing a hammer and dog repellent, and this was three years into, his, into the rape spree? Is that, is that accurate about that? Yeah, so he started out in... in 1976 with the first rapes and in 1979 is is when he was arrested for it and fired and within you know very short time of being fired he is murdering people down in Goleta in Santa Barbara County so it was a very quick uh, movement from raping in Northern California to murdering in Southern California. Well, my question is, how did this not like someone? Someone had to physically fire him. Who, someone who was a police officer had to physically fire him. Why didn't this send off red flags? What, what this guy stole? Well, it, it, I, I think it may have, and they actually were surprised that he didn't try and fight the firing. You know, he could have appealed it through the union or whatever police representation he had at the time, and he didn't fight it, you know. So maybe he didn't want people poking around in his business at the time because they would discover something. And one theory is that he went to Southern California because he thought that maybe somebody was tailing him and watching to see what he was doing. So he might have just gone all the way down there just to get away from That's from interesting. It. So they yeah. might have been on on the idea of him. Very possible. Yeah, be- yeah. because they, they had thought for a while, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was a chance that this person was in law enforcement or former law enforcement, yeah. and even back then, right, they thought that. Yeah, and there's, I mean, he always seemed to be a step ahead of people, and they thought maybe he had a police scanner. and Right, he set up perimeters outside the, uh, yeah. yeah, so he knew, like, about police perimeters during crime yep. scenes and things like that. And then and then if he's at the crime scene and he has, on, you know, a badge with him, you know, uh, somebody catches him walking through the yard, maybe he could say, hey, I'm a cop, I'm looking for a bad guy, and who's going to question him, you know, so it's... It's going to be interesting to find out if he was doing this while he was on duty, because you got a police car, you got a uniform on, you're walking through a neighborhood, nobody's going to ask you any questions. So that's that's the interesting shoe that's got to drop. So, tell us about this Zodiac DNA uh, <laughs> update here. Well, uh, the Zodiac DNA is interesting because it was a year ago, last April, that I found out they were working on some some DNA stuff with it, getting DNA samples from some of the letters that they hadn't got before or that they weren't able to work with before due to DNA restrictions and technology at the time. But I found out a year ago that they were doing something with it, and I talked about it a little bit, but they never did anything with it. And then immediately after they caught the Golden State Killer through this thing, I think that lit a fire under them because they suddenly said, well, we need to try this. Let's stick that DNA in there. So that DNA was just sent off supposedly now to try and get some, some answers to see what they can find out with that. And from what I've heard, they're, they're going to get some information back in a couple of weeks, and then... From there, maybe they find the right family and branch out and, and, and find the right uh, perpetrator. So you think there might be an answer here? I hope soon. so. Yeah. I hope so. I'd love to know who it is. I mean, the, the difference is the DNA in the Golden State Killer case was really preserved, and there's a lot of it, whereas the Golden State 
or the uh, Zodiac case is uh, a little bit not as well preserved. You know, uh, it's older. They didn't have some of the same methods in place to keep the evidence. So hopefully the DNA is still good and they can get something from it. But um, we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and see where it goes. Uh, we're, we're rolling our dice on you because you're, you're batting a thousand right now. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe next year we're talking about Zodiac and, yeah. then, uh, and then we'll ask you about, um, you know, some other. Well, yeah, what's criminology season three going to yeah. be? Ripper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. That would be incredible. You, you, yeah, you're going for the Holy Grail. Yeah. Do they have his DNA? I don't know. That's, I, I've heard they might. I, I heard they had a relative that they thought might be related to him, but I, I don't follow that case too much. So I, I really don't know. Let's but. just say they're shaking the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, we use that, but not speaking not, in that not, way. Yeah, yeah we say. Yeah. When he, when he, t- I asked him. It's funny. I, I sat down with him yesterday, and we were talking for a little while. And I said, "So when I talked to you three months ago, and you said shaking the trees, you didn't tell me you were shaking a family tree." And he started laughing, and uh, you know. I, I, looking back on it, that was like a hint that went right over my, right over my you're, head. You're like, so. why is he winking at me repeatedly? <laughs> exactly. exactly like, so. Something's in his eye. Yeah. Is he really as dreamy as all the women around here? He's think? got some female fans. I'll put it that <laughs> yeah, way. Uh, you know, but I'm sitting next to him. He's just a regular guy like you guys. I'm just talk, having a conversation with him. But but are you saying we're not dreamy? I'm just yeah. saying. I, I don't know. Uh, he's got some female fans. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, were you saying we don't have female? fans? <laughs> what are you trying to say here? I don't know. But. Uh, from what I hear, the girls think he's dreamy. So yeah, you know, teach sure do. <laughs> I think if, if uh, my favorite murder uh, creates a uh, an image of you, a meme of you, then I think uh, that's I think a pretty that's a legit. Win. You know, you <laughs> yeah. made it. Yeah. Well, well, I know there's a hashtag hot for holes going around that I've I've seen, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to lose credibility with them. Start talking to him and asking them about that yeah. in person. So I, I haven't brought that up. Uh, we will. We, we'll yeah, we'll do that. For he's you. here floating around in CrimeCon, and he's just been much sought after and. Yeah. People are just like pulling him over left and right, asking questions. It's kind of new to him, I think, but he's he's got a really bright future ahead of him, and so it's gonna be cool to see where his career goes from wow. here. Yeah, yeah, speaking yeah. engagements and yeah, things like oh, yeah. that. He's, I'm sure he's gonna have a lot of things coming up. I'm sure. Yeah. What's your thought on um, the uh, D'Angelo's mental state? Do you think he's playing that up a little bit? Well, from what I heard, he was driving a motorcycle days before at 100 miles an hour. And that was true. Okay. I thought yeah. that was just an internet rumor. Yeah, that's the, that's what Paul Holes has, has said. Wow. That he looks believes like, it's looks like he can't even form a sentence. Are yes, you kidding and, me? And now there's some speculation. That it Was that you know because he's medicated or was he just trying to act like that? Some people think that it was legit and he was medicated because he's on suicide watch and he's wearing something called a turtle suit, which I don't know what that is. It's something to keep you from killing yourself, I guess. But, oh. um, you know, for whatever reason, they've got to keep, they've got a tight lid on him. They don't want him trying to kill himself. And um, I think he probably would have. I think, you know, the rumor of him having a roast in the oven telling the police that when they picked him up was true. That was true, too. That was a true. Unbelievable. True, that was true right from the a witness's mouth. I got that. Um, and it's, you know, it's his attempt probably to get in there and, 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 uh, you know, maybe get a gun, shoot himself, shoot them. Right. Um, they were even concerned that he might have. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I better hold it. I don't want to say something else that I, that I heard, so I'm, I'm going to stop okay. right there. But um, they had some concerns that he might harm himself or um, some others. You know, some of the police at the scene. So um, they didn't want him to go in and check on his roast. They they said they would do that for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, seriously. Um, in the mug shot of of uh, that was taken that, that came out a week or two ago. He looks like he's got a bandage on his head. It looks like some scrapes on his face. Did he get a beaten? Um, I 
you know, I don't know. I didn't hear that part. I'm hoping that he got a beating. He caught a, it he nice caught a quick beating. A beating. Might yeah. have bumped his head. Maybe they didn't his cover head his head a couple when they times going into the police car. Yeah, um, like, Oops. That would be too bad. Yeah. yeah. But but how they approached him was they had a, a random guy go up to him when he was out in his yard and say, I'm lost. Can I have some directions? Please, you know. And he got into a little confrontation with, with the officer, the undercover officer. And while his back was turned, they just swarmed on him and uh, took him down. Um, and and whisked him right away. Immediately got his his daughter was inside the house. Didn't even know he was taken away, and took him to the the station and interrogated him for hours. And um, they finally uh, uh, charged him at you know after two wow. a, you know, two a.m. or whatever. Wow. What was like the root of that altercation? I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know that it I got can't physical. Help himself. Yeah, I don't know that it got physical, but it, he. He, you know, according to some people, was very argumentative and sometimes shouted at people and maybe because the guy was in his yard. Who knows, you know, but... Um, get off my lawn. Yeah, luckily it was, just, it was just a ruse to try and get his guard down and it worked, so... Unreal. Wow, I couldn't even imagine being one of the arresting officers and the adrenaline that's going through you. Like, I'm about to take down the most prolific serial offender yeah, in American history. He's right there. He's right in front of me. It's, it's insane. And then to hear it from, you know... People like Paul Holes telling me about it, you know, face to face is really, uh, really cool. You know, the people that are there doing it when they're telling you how it went down, it's it's stuff you can't you can't make up. I, I feel like this has really inspired a lot of people, um, and I think it inspired us uh, to release a, a, a kind of a, a more pointed episode of Missing Maura Murray. Like uh, it. It, this is going to have an effect on the community in a, in a very positive way, not just DNA stuff like with law enforcement, but with people like us, people who listen to your podcast who are now like, holy shit, like this, this, this guy and, and Mike Ferguson, they, they pulled together this information, not to mention Michelle McNamara is a citizen, you know, and anyone can do this too. Anyone can jump in and do this. You yeah. know, but you know, obviously, do it responsibly. But then that's a big thing. But as a learning curve there, but people can do this too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all you need is a microphone and some good information and people that are willing to, to you know share it and hear it. You know, whether it's on a podcast or on social media, just getting the information out there, making people aware of it. Because you never know; it's just going to take the right person that hears something to come forward with information, and maybe that's what makes the the difference in the case. Yeah, and we uh, we actually talked to um, a detective who was at our meet and greet earlier today, and um, just got into a conversation with him about crowdsourced information and what they do with it. And overall, they appreciate it. Overall, uh, they 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 will go through any information that the public brings to them, just like the information that they gather themselves. It goes into a stack of this this went nowhere or this went somewhere. And he wanted to stress that people shouldn't get frustrated with their poker face. It's like when when you show up with something, we're not going to jump up and down and say, like, this is it. He's like, we might do that in the background if it is it. But, you know, anybody, you know, any information that's gathered, they have to have a poker face about. And he also said, which is something that I guess is obvious, but I never really know, like thought of that much was. A lot of the times, the public assumes that someone else saw something and said it. There's the, a lot of the times, if something happens and, and someone saw something and they know that they were amongst other people, they tend to not say anything because they just think the other person delivered that information already. Oh, yeah. yeah, and, and you see that as 
well, I don't need to say something because I'm sure somebody already provided exactly. a tip. Or I worked with this weird guy, and I think he might be the killer, but I'm sure one of my other coworkers gave that tip already, so I don't need to. So it's, That's a weird human element, I feel like. Yeah, and it's important to come forward and share information, and it may be good, it may be bad, and they will usually weed through those things. And, you know, if the guy's never set foot in the state, you know, they're going to discard that pretty quick if they can roll them out that way. But um, if it if it bears looking into it further, they're going to move them along and, and, and look at them closer. So yeah. it doesn't doesn't hurt to, to provide a tip. And if it's not the guy, they'll just move on and thank you for the information and, yeah. and look at the next he, guy. He actually said they'd rather look at something that went nowhere a thousand times mm-hmm. than, some, than nothing. Yes. And so don't think you're being a nuisance. Yeah, it makes, makes that, sense. That's their job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like the terrorism stuff that goes on. If you see something, say something. You know, it's if something looks out of the ordinary, it may be. You know, if if, if there's a weird guy that's you know going out three in the morning and moving stuff in, in and out of his house and you know driving around odd hours of the night and fits a profile. You know, the worst thing you can do is you know say something and they check him out and it's not the guy and they move on. That's not you're not upturning his life you know you're just right. providing a tip they'll check it out and it may lead nowhere but it's it's worth trying to put the information out there and and uh, do the tip yep. well thanks for joining us more what what uh what's the future of criminology season two because i mean everything's in flux for you yeah it's 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 we were on episode 10 of uh, 12 i think when this happened and you know, now it's we don't necessarily want to finish the season because there's so much stuff unfolding that it's like, where do we go from here? And it may go on and more information may come out and see if it goes to trial. And um, and who knows? Now Zodiac's got DNA in the, in the system. Maybe that's going to come up again, which would affect season one. You and guys we will might, never get to season we might, three. <laughs> it's going to be all bouncing back and forth between Golden State Killer and Zodiac. I mean, uh, it just stop solving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. catch up. The next case might be something out of, out of the Midwest that nobody's ever heard of. Who knows? Just to have something a little bit smaller to work with that we can uh, explore a little bit further but without it blowing up. But who knows? Great it's, problem to have. It's a great problem to have, exactly. So it's better to have some, some answers and, and get some things solved than just keep wondering and leave leave it unanswered. Okay, here we are on podcast row with Otavia Zapala. Otavia Zapala. Otavia Zapala. <laughs> Otavia Zapala. She's like, God damn it, just call me O. I told you to just call me O. You can call me O. But you okay. know, you're doing better. Thank you. I I'm, mean, I'm trying. You've made progress since the first is time. It, Otavia Zapala. It, it is more Zapala. of an O sound? Or what, what are we doing wrong? Otavia Zapala. Otavia. Well, you know, the accent is on the last A, so it's like Zapala. Zapala. So the inflection's at the very end. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Zapala. And it's not Otavia, it's Otavia. It's it's Otavia. hard. Wait, it's well, hard. Okay, what's the difference with the O sound then? What are we doing wrong with it? Well, it's not it's not O, it's Otavia. Oh, what? Okay, that... that it, you know, it kind of sounds like an A. I thought Otavia. I had it, but that part, oh. I don't even... But you know what? Don't worry about it. Ot- I'm so used right, to thanks people... thanks for joining us Otavia. at the table here. <laughs> <laughs> we can stop talking about my name. I should change my name. No, maybe. no, no. You no, have a great name. <laughs> yeah, we, we should just uh, not be such immature uh, yeah. jackasses. You're not a jackass? <laughs> you're not. Yeah, well, you, you haven't hung out with us long enough then. <laughs> you're, you're just not doing it on purpose. It's not like you're, you know... Okay, so we're naive jackasses. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Otavia. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay so you We're do missing Alyssa the podcast missing Alyssa 
uh, about the disappearance of Alyssa Turney. We just had you on Crawl Space. Um, you have a fantastic podcast, and uh, yeah, th- yeah please thank you for doing that. Listen. Yeah, yeah. You're I mean, too kind, guys. No, we're. I love being on the show with you. It really boosted my listeners. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm still really like an indie production, but yeah, I we all I are. love doing this, and I'm going to work on a new case soon. I, I am working on a new case. Yeah, I've seen some pictures. You're uh, like on your Instagram feed. You've been uh, hanging out in the desert uh, with law enforcement. What's what's going on? It, it's been ha- it, the disappearance happened on the border between New Mexico and Arizona in a really remote place in a campground. Um, this woman just disappeared in really mysterious circumstances. So it's kind of creepy going to a campground up in the Chiricahua Mountains in the middle of nowhere, knowing that someone was snatched, you know. What? Uh, so tell us more about this case. I don't think I should reveal too much. I would love to. Okay. Trust me. What did you guys ask Paul Haynes yesterday to reveal his sources? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you guys are asking all the wrong questions. I thought I thought we could get him. I thought we could get him to. I didn't so much say reveal your sources. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that he had credible sources that he uh, felt comfortable gotcha, gotcha. with his sources. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to laugh. But you know, one of the one of the coolest things is how open um, the sheriff's office has been on this case, uh, the campground case. They, we literally sat and brainstormed together, and they're so desperate to get new leads that they just, you know, they really want me to spread the word, and um, I'm, I'm really appreciative of how lucky I've been with law enforcement, yes. both in Missing Alyssa and this new case. Yes, how do, how do you do that? Because everybody, every other podcast here uh, really hasn't figured that out. Either yeah, I lucked out, that? or perhaps I'm just really good at charming people. I don't know. I'm a flirt, so. <laughs> so, yeah, we try that, and law enforcement doesn't usually uh, enjoy that. Respond. What's going on, guys? Are you guys leaving? Oh, my God, yeah. What's yeah. up? It's John, John and Darren from Martinez and Murder. What's up? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm going to go get some hot chicken because I'm in Nashville, and we're about to leave in like five hours to go back to That's New York. That's a good look, yeah. It's not bad. you got to experience it while you're here. Last night was a fun shit show. Yeah, that's a great way to do <laughs> I realized that vodka on the rocks can get you out of any situation, <laughs> nervous or not. Yeah. And we had a great time. Yeah, all the panelists were so inspiring and interesting and funny. It was like, you don't always expect this genre to be so fun. Yeah, we had like a strip tease so. with a guy in the Air Force. Like, we were... Yeah, it was a good oh. time. We went, we went hard. That's you went we for it. Yeah, of course. Oh, live that. photo. Live photo with him. Live photo ops. Photo ops. There we go. Perfect. Oh, so you know how to take it above. That's, yeah. that's, that's a guy that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to make sure the chin has some structure to it. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. You're leaving too, Bob. It was so nice meeting you. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. Nice to see you guys. I love this. Just like all, everyone's just chilling right now. It's a party. party. So are you guys doing this live show and you're releasing it as an episode? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to release cool. this yet. Yeah. You're just going to mute all of us when you've said martinis and murder. Just right. beep it out. Okay. I get it. We get it. Like, it was a car 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 we regret. Great. Great. Yeah. 
We regret not spending more time with you guys, though, so next CrimeCon we have to make yes. sure we put it on our schedule. Yes. I know. Yes. When yeah. we saw you when we first got here like, hey, a month and a half ago, yes. it was like, we're going to hang out with them. Maybe we're going to be at the bar over there and watching you get murdered, and we haven't seen you since then until right now. We're separated by one little thin layer wall. It's not even, yeah. It's a piece of material. New Orleans, though, we'll get something on They banish the ugly people over there. So you guys are lucky. You're the good-looking crew. We know. So where's Matt, then? You know, we don't know because he doesn't do any work for our podcast. Yeah. So knowing him, he's sleeping. He's probably sleeping. He's done yeah. nothing. We got to hustle for our dollar. Exactly. He's like, Damn it. Yeah. We miss you guys. Thank you guys for yeah. having Thank us Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for swinging by and um, not being able to get away from us when we asked you to come on. No, like, please. I, was, I saw you guys post this on Twitter. I was like, we have to stop by their booth. So I'm really glad that you we walked by. It was really her tattoos that lured me. It wasn't. It wasn't the it wasn't blue eyes. That's why it they keep me around. Friend. It was you. <laughs> Wasn't the frantic waving? Thinking sideways is leaving too. Were were you usurping your fandom over here? We don't want that. (laughs) Thank you guys. Thank you, John and Darren. You guys are awesome. Thank you. you. Bye. Oh. Love that. Okay. So we were saying that you guys haven't been able to charm law enforcement or flirt with them. Well, we tried to flirt, but that didn't. um, Well, it led to other things, but it didn't lead to any like case revelations. (laughs) <laughs> That's how Art got all the Ellie interviews for us. He just flirted with Strelzen. Oh, those there we, eyes. There we go. Those smoky eyes. I mean, Art's, Art's you know, he's got yeah, it. He's got it. He's <laughs> smoky eyes. Ladies love cool Art. They love Art. My mom Hashtag wanted to meet Art, Art today. LL Cool A. Yeah. <laughs> so... Oh is your new podcast live? Is that oh, a, no, 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 no. no. Uh, I thought you were talking about Missing Alyssa. I was like, no, what do no, you no. mean? Yeah, that so you that one we know. We yeah, know we can no, not yet. To. It's not. It's absolutely not live. I'm. I'm in the beginning research phase. It's gonna. T- okay. It's gonna be like six months before. What? You know, I go crazy. Like I no, read thousands. We were talking of pages. about this last night. That I we're in- perfectionists. Exactly. I'm a perfectionist. I. I will. It's the reporter in me. You know, I will interview like dozens of people and then edit it to perfection before like I we're, we're release anything. We're laughing because the uh, the reporters in us like it's just like no, oh, I was, hit record. I was Let's talking go. to her last night how I begged you guys for weeks to get on a conference call and talk about what we're doing during our panel. You guys are like we have time before the panel to talk about it. I'm like no. I have to gather documents and bring stuff yes. and write notes. I had to get producers involved for CrimeCon to get you guys to tell me what the hell was going on. For our I'm panels. like that too. I overthink everything. And they're like, "Come and chat with us." I'm like, "Wait, about what?" Like, I'm not. I'm not good. Give at me the chit-chat. list of questions yeah. beforehand. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. I, I did a. Uh, you know what it is? I did an entire list of questions for um, Paul Haynes and Billy Jensen yesterday. Me too. I had an entire list of questions on my iPad. You know where my iPad was during it? In my room. There on the go. charger. There you go. So it and doesn't. You were, you were cool with it, and I was cool with it. I ran with it. I, I you know. I had them but, all on my phone because when I was listening to the podcast, I just made all these notes, and then I didn't ask any of them. Just we just went with it. See, so why even now? Prep? I know. I yep, know. Now just I know. Go with it. But you guys are the experts. So. So yesterday, you um, pretty much admitted that you identified our format, and you were like, "This is my blueprint," and and you uh, you're you're going with a, a crawl space template. You Me? Had, yeah, your first your first podcast was Missing Alyssa, which was very similar to Missing More Murray. And you're oh. and then you're like, I think I'm gonna do what they did and cover another case and have well, like an offshoot another No, I mean it's flattering. It's flattering. So I got inspired by your name, Missing More Murray, for sure. And I meant to give you credit for that. Um, I brainstormed <laughs> a ton of names and this one was just it fit. 
And then, like, the whole idea of making a one-off story and then having an ongoing... You know, I didn't know that I wanted to keep doing this. So it just makes sense, you know, like, to to then have an ongoing series where you can continue to podcast without having to, like, have everyone resubscribe to your new podcast, you know, make new social media. And, like, you know, that's all a lot of work that isn't, you know, you can Well, next year at CrimeCon, when you're sponsoring Podcast Row, um, just allow us one six-foot table. Uh, absolutely. I'll give you some space. Thank no you. worries. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you can take photos with me. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. Be cool. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but only two. <laughs> only yeah, two. I don't have time, you know. Yeah. I, I won't have time. So you guys are both journal, like professional journalists. You both went to school for this, right? Like, uh, so what's the, di- like, what's the difference between, other than what we just discussed, like what are the obvious differences between like what we do and what you guys do? Go ahead, and not even Maggie. just us. You can include other podcasters, well, non-journalist podcasters. Yeah, there's a code of ethics that we kind of have to Wait, what's abide that by. What's that word again? I'm going to write that down. Code, code of, of ethics. Is, <laughs> is that one word? Or? standards, guys. It's like, um, it's like a cipher? <laughs> you know, like, one of the ethics that she's talking about is to, we don't, we try not to express our opinion about something or speculate too okay, much. Okay. Should we, we get James Randall? Stick Rand to the here? facts. Don't try to be and try to be neutral. <laughs> neutral. Right. Code of ethics. New. I'm, I'm scribbling notes like of crazy. Of course, here. objectivity doesn't exist, you know, really. But we try, and you know, with Michael Turney, um, I I tried to. Uh, I, I didn't want to have a witch hunt against him. I, I just laid out the facts. This is what he said. This is what they said. I'm not going to say he's a terrible person, and you know. But he is a terrible yeah. person. Yeah, it's it's a pretty easy <laughs> oh, uh, conclusion oh, so to draw. So, when so you're that's the difference. But that's the point in journalism: is you present the facts and let them and let the public decide. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, what's the difference between James Renner, who is also an investigative journalist, and he'll say something like, um, "Fred and Mora, they used to sleep in the same tent when they went camping." And then follows that up with uh, something doesn't sit right, you know, that doesn't wash for Well, him. here's the thing, too, is so Renner and I were actually talking about this at lunch yesterday. You know, I was grilling him on where did that come from? I want to see your notes. And a lot of times, you know, with journalism, too, you have to have more than one source to back something up before you can present it as Fact. uh, a factual claim. So his only source was hearsay and abiding by the code of ethics. We don't really go with hearsay. So, so that's a violation of the code of ethics, in well, a sense. Yeah, which is you know he's not going to get arrested for it, but but he, yeah, ethically in the journalism, ethically he should have had at least another corroborating source of that. Correct. Um, which he says he did. It's all in his notes. But again, you usually want to have that person go on record and corroborate it so then people will believe you because obviously there's a lot of questions about where this is coming from. Right. right. Like I tried to get, I gave, um, I talked about like what people told police in, you know, interviews, formal interviews a lot of times if I wasn't able to talk to them directly because, you know, that's. uh, But that's the thing too, like, so Renner put that information out there. And then it's our job as journalists to try and corroborate it. And so I had to ask Fred if it was true. You don't, you, you can't let claims be out there and not ask the person if this is true. So, you know. Right. 
you have exactly i think that was my point in a like ham-handed way when i asked paul haynes if he if he what you know who in a sense who his sources were when he was talking about situations that happened in the courtroom and he had uh sources so i think in a ham-handed way that was my point in saying you know do you even have sources are they credible so sure so you know people who he's talking to in that room and beyond would know that And he didn't have to, like, name specific sources. And I don't know if you guys can identify that. Like, you can have a journalist say, oh, I have sources and they're credible. And you're like, do you? Because just the way you're saying that doesn't sound credible. That's kind of tough sometimes when someone says, I want to tell you something off the record. And, you know, what do you do? You're not going to, you know, lie to them. that's like, exactly. So when you look at, you know, New York Times uh, White House correspondence, a lot of that information is coming from off-the-record conversations. They say a source close to the White House told us this. It's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But in order for, you know, a really reputable outlet like the New York Times to let their journalists publish that, the editors probably know who the source is Mm -hmm. um, in case there ever was some sort of lawsuit. The sources are recorded with editors. Editors have checked those things. Exactly. Yeah, you can back it up. You can back it up. Now, when people ask you if you have uh, sources, if you have credible sources, you answer that with, like, are you offended, I guess is my question? No. People should question everything. Okay. Yeah. People should always ask. I haven't dealt with that issue because, you know, with missing Alyssa... Because pretty much everyone laid things out in the open. Right. Yeah, um, you had that. And we had that for the documentary, too. We didn't have any really behind-the-scenes sources. All the police came out on record. Um, you know, any information that we got. Uh, even we that were, lady, sorry to interrupt you, even that lady who was scared because she, yeah. the one who believed that the police had some kind of cover-up, um, she was scared for years, but then she went on Well, that, that the was the thing, video. too, with the show. Like, even though we spoke with Rick Forcier, we couldn't put out in the show anything that we talked about with him because he didn't want it out there right yeah so so there's some things that you know that you can't say well no you know that's the thing with going on their podcast because they don't you know they're podcasters so I, I was able to talk about that I know it happened the evidence is there I talked about it but for the show legally they were really careful with that right what's the uh, most significant thing that's happened in your journalism careers Honestly, I would say the missing Alyssa case yeah. Yeah, is the most significant. And I fell in love with that work, and I intend to continue. Yeah. Seems like you found a really good platform to deliver your story. I absolutely story. love interviewing families and friends and victims, and I love working with law enforcement. And I love being in the thick of the action of an investigation. I mean, there's so much energy in the courtroom, um, you know, on a crime scene, and uh, when 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 uh, people are bouncing ideas off each other, like in investigating. Yeah, that's, I just that's how that. I feel too. I really enjoy having like a researcher and somebody who finds all the documents. I like doing the personal stuff and talking with the families and making connections, lasting connections. Um, and I do it every day at my job. So totally agree with that too. Yeah, That's very cool. Very cool. Cool. Got to go find my mom now. <laughs> Let's get her on mic. Everybody's on mic. <laughs> One of our
person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.